0: One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris.
1: And welcome to another Friday edition of the Work-Life Balance. So excited to have you guys along. And, uh, you know, we teased this show last week. It's here. We're excited. Uh, And I'm not going to do a lot of my uh, normal chatter because I've got so much content uh, for you guys to listen to in this show. So I'm just going to go ahead and introduce our guest, who is Dr. Ivan Meisner. He's the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI. It's the world's largest business networking organization. He founded it in 1985, and the organization now has over 9,000 chapters throughout every populated continent of the world. Last year alone, BNI generated 11.2 million referrals, resulting in $14.2 billion worth of business for its members. His PhD is from the University of Southern California and he is a New York Times bestselling author who has written over two dozen books, including his latest bestseller, Who's in Your Room?, and that's going to be the topic of our conversation today. He's also a columnist for Entrepreneur.com, and he's been a university professor as well as a member of the Board of Trustees for the University of Laverne. He has been called the father of modern networking by CNN and one of the top 10 networking experts by Forbes. He's also considered to be one of the world's leading experts on business networking and has been a keynote speaker for major corporations and associations throughout the world. He's been featured in the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, New York uh, Times, and uh, television shows including CNN, BBC, The Today Show, and of course, now the illustrious Work-Life Balance on Voice America. Among his many, many awards, he's been named Humanitarian of the Year by the Red Cross and was recently the recipient of the John C. Maxwell Leadership Award. He's also proud to be the co-founder of BNI Charitable Foundation, in which he and his wife Elizabeth are now empty nesters with three adult children. And they say, also in his spare time, he's an amateur magician and a black belt in karate. How you doing, Dr. Meisner? It's great to have you. I am, I am fantastic. Thank you so much. And the show's almost over. It's so right. Long. Yeah, that, that bio. But you know what? I there was just nothing to cut. It's it's a phenomenal. Uh, Uh, example of who you are. And and now you you and I have had a chance to to meet a few times now, you know, through the Maxwell team, uh, in which you taught us the, you know, the importance of open networking and and opening your stance, uh, as well as uh, having the opportunity to to host you on the Transformational Leader podcast, uh, which is now... Uh,
2: Can I just say, I love the Maxwell organization. Uh, You guys are doing amazing work, uh, and uh, JMT, and I'm happy to be associated with them. And uh, support that organization. And of course, John, there, there is no one like John Maxwell. He, he is the world's leading expert on
1: leadership. He really, he, and he's amazing to, to just meet in person and how he communicates. Yep. So absolutely. let's, um, let's get to this latest book. Who's in your room? Talk to us about uh, this room concept and how you came up with the book. Yeah.
2: So here's the concept uh, of the book. Imagine you live your life in one room. And that one room has one door, and that one door is an enter-only door. So that when people come into your life and into your room, they're there forever. You could never <laughs> get them out. No, I know it's scary. Yeah, this is you know this, this is a this is a metaphor. Although I'm going to argue a little later that it's more than a metaphor, but. If it were true, if it were true, would you be more selective about the people that you let into your life?
1: Without a doubt.
2: That's a question. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Uh, Rick, everyone says, uh, yeah, I'd be way more selective. And uh, so our question is, then, why aren't we? Why aren't we more selective? Because here's where I believe it's more than a metaphor. I want you to think for a moment. Uh, Rick, and, and if you're listening to this, I want you to think as well of somebody who you've gotten out of your life. Because people say to me, yeah, "I can get them out of my life," you know, they're so they're out of my room. Okay, so I want you to think about somebody that you've gotten out of your life, and I want you to think about what they did that you know maybe made you angry or how they were toxic. And I'm not going to make you share who that person is, Rick. But I appreciate I that because you're
1: it. bringing the energy of the room down. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But we'll bring it back up, I promise. So I want you to think of somebody who is really difficult. Do you have them in your mind? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, if you're listening to this, I want you to do the same. I want you to think about this person. And I want you to think about the things they did that, were, that just you were not okay with, that they really troubled you. So here's the deal. If you can think of them and you can think of them specifically, they're still in your head. And if they're still in your head, they're still in your room, because they have impacted your life in some way that will affect your decision making for the rest of your life. Now this can be good and bad. This, these could be great people that you met and they've affected your decision making in a positive way. And they could be horrible people. I was having you focus on somebody that you, you got out of your room because or you got out of your life because you didn't like having them around you. But the problem is they're still in your head and they will absolutely uh, be part of your decision making in the future. We interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, who um, has done the PBS specials, a psychiatrist and and uh, neuroscientist. And uh, we we asked him about this concept and he said, the relationships that you have with people, uh, their fingerprints are all over your brain and there's no way you can delete those. And so you may be able to get them out of your life, but they're still in your room. They're still in your head uh, because you remember those experiences. And so what we argue is that you've got to get better about screening people out of your life and your room uh, in the future. Of course, how do you deal with them? That's another issue. But first you've got to screen them out. You've got to get
1: better at making sure you're letting the right people in. So, I mean – how do you become more specific then in that scenario? In, in yeah. uh, how, do I, how do I begin to, to make better decisions to, to choose who I let in?
2: Okay. So here's the most difficult part of the book is that you've got to get good with your values. You have to understand your personal values. Now, when I'm talking to people about this, um, you know, I, I sometimes I put them a little bit on the spot and I'll say, you know, give me the list. I'm not going to do that to you, by the way, Rick. I'm
1: not going to hey, I'm to fair ever. game if you want to, though. Like, we'll,
2: we'll, well, I'll make it easy on you. Uh, I'll ask them, you know what? Tell me your top seven values. And they look at me like tear in the headlights. They're like, um, seven, by, by personal values? Yeah, yeah. And they'll go, uh, well, uh, honesty. Okay, good. Give me the other six. And they hem and they haw and they don't know. The truth is you can't determine what kind of people to let into your room until you get good with your values, until so you know what your values are. And so in the book, we have some exercises, some simple, simple exercises on figuring out your values. And we also have a link in there where you could go online for free and spend a little more time trying to really come to terms with what your values are. If you, you could go online and, and, and do this as well, find you know, sites that will help you figure out what are your personal values, what are important to you. Now, here's an easy way to start simple way to start is flip it on its head rather than think about the the values that are important to you. Start by thinking about your deal breakers. Everybody can give deal breakers right now. You know, the things that they just don't want to have to tolerate around them. Oftentimes it's toxic people. For me, that was certainly one of them. But one of the really interesting things that um, when I first did this exercise and, and years ago, thinking about what my values were, I realized that drama was a deal breaker for me. And, and what I'm talking about are, are people that are dripping in drama. I mean, we all have some drama. <laughs> I have drama. Everybody has drama. But I'm talking about the ones that are dripping in drama. They've always got something going, around, going on in their life. It's chaos constantly. And I realized that was a deal breaker for me. And you know what? I let people like that into my room and it came, I came to the realization that it was all my fault. I let them in. I let them in. I had good reasons at the time. I thought it was, you know, because they were good in business or they really knew what they were doing. And it just created costs for me and for people around me. So uh, I'll, I'll put, I'll put you on the spot for this
1: one, but give me a deal breaker for you. What's something that you just can't tolerate? Uh, lack of lack of integrity, not doing what you say. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's a good one. That's a good one. That's an important one. That's a deal breaker. So one of the things that you can do is when you know, the deal breakers, it's a little easier to then start thinking about what your values are. Now here's a deal breaker. And we didn't put, I don't think we put this one in the book, but here's a deal breaker that my wife and I have together as a couple with relationships that we create with other couples. Uh, We want to go out or spend time with other couples who treat each other with love and respect. And we started thinking about this, you know, what are our values as as a couple? And we came to the conclusion that we, you know, love and respect. That's an important value as a couple. And then we started looking at the couples that we have spent time with and we realized there were, there was at least two couples did that treat each other with love and respect? And we're thinking, why are we letting them into our life? We need to, we need to be able to deal with them. And, and I, I'll talk later, if you'd like, about how do you get rid of people or how do you deal with people that you've already let in but you want to let them out. But start with deal breakers, then go to your values, and then you're ready for the next step.
1: And we'll definitely come back to that because I think a lot of people are interested in, in how to deal with people that, that are already in your life. But I want to I stay on this values train here for a second. Um, first question I have is, you know, as a coach, um, especially like uh, reading Think and Grow Rich, one of the things that we identify early, it's very simple for us to say what we don't want, but very difficult for us to, to narrow in on a specific want, like what we really okay. want. What, what advice yeah. do you have in that area?
2: Well, that's where your values absolutely will help you. And so, what you want to do is you want to take a look at the things that um, you think are important to you. You know, uh, financially, where, you know, what, is money really important, or is it just a means to an end? Which is, you know, either of those are fine. Uh, is public service important to you? Is um, uh, you know, what what are some of the things that you think are important? Achievement. Uh, um, Personal drive, family, uh, independence. I mean, this is what we do in in the the simple exercise in the book, is to give a lot of uh, what we call a values starter list. And what are the what are the values that jump out at you? And if you want to go deeper, you know there are other things that you can do to help nail down what what your values are. You know, for me, my values are a philosophy that we use in BNI, Cubers Gang. Uh, I I understand that if I want to build a relationship with somebody I need to contribute to the relationship first. Um, uh, Lifelong learning has always been uh, extremely important to me. Uh, Recognition uh, for others, uh, it's been very important to me to recognize people who have uh, done things for me. Uh, Accountability is really important to me. A positive attitude is really important to me. So these are some of my personal values. Uh, and many of them overlap with the uh, the organization I started. But um, y- you gotta get good with those values before you can take it to the next step. And the next step is the key step.
1: And does does your values base, is that dealing anything with like axiology of the brain or is it just more of a, a helper set to, to get started? Explain what you mean. Um, axiology is the study of values-based uh, decision-making. So uh one of the one of the key things in in these studies that that are fascinating to me, and a great friend of mine uh Tracy Duez has uh, an assessment as well is we can state that we have these values, but then through axiology it helps uncover how we make decisions of what we rank first and second and third, and, and right. kind of the flow chart and how we make the decision, which shows us how we're living those values
2: Yeah, so living the values is uh, critical. Uh, I think uh, as I get older, I believe less and less in words and more and more in behaviors. Now, it's okay to have aspirational values, but you have to recognize that they're aspirational. And then you have to uh, figure out what are you doing to aspire to those values. So if we were to follow you around with a video camera for a week, we would learn pretty quickly what you truly value. By what you actually prioritize in your life right now and and um, you know that 's the kind of exercise that you need to think about is if, if, if someone followed you around for the week, what, what is it that you 're doing and are you if you have an aspirational value that you haven 't achieved yet, what are you doing to actually uh, achieve that and so behaviors are way more important than words, but the words give you a sense of either what you currently value and live or what you are aspiring to, the more those two are congruent, the more those two are the same, uh, the more you're truly living your values. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break right here. As you can tell, this is going to be a fantastic episode. So hang with us. On the other side of the break, you're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris.
0: Mm -hmm. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program at one 472 5790 Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back to this edition of the Work-Life Balance. We're so happy that you're hanging on with us as we talk with Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI. and we're discussing his latest book, "Who's in Your Room," and so we just talked about you know values and, and understanding what the concept of the room is. But uh, there's got to be a concept of uh, the bouncer or the doorman or somebody uh, that that you know you you want to have as a barrier to your room. But right in the book is uh, um, you got to
2: hire a doorman. Now people go really seriously, you hire a doorman. Well, no, okay, it's it's a it's a it's a metaphor also. Uh, it, it, the doorman is your conscious and subconscious mind screening people out that are trying to gain entry into your door. Now, look, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it uh, a guard, a bouncer. You can call it a door person. It doesn't really matter. It's your, it's your person. So we use the term doorman and the doorman is, like I said, it's your conscious and subconscious mind. And, you know, we, we have conversations in our head about things that happen. And what you, what you need to ask yourself or, or view it from the perspective of what you need to ask your doorman is, does this person, uh, is their behavior in alignment with the values that you live and aspire to? And if the answer is no, then that doorman has to, you know, guard entry into your life in terms of building a relationship uh, if the answer is I don't know, then which it should be early on, it, it should, then you need to you know, get to know them a little bit better to figure out whether this is a good fit. You see, values don't have to be the same. Your values don't have to be the same with mine. They just can't be uh, dissonant. We talk about uh, resonance and dissonance in values. So the, the values have to be resonant. They can't be completely dissonant. And there's a great I- example that we talk about with two pianos, now I'm not a musician, but I've seen this done, two pianos sitting side by side, you have one person in piano one hit uh, the middle C key of the piano, and in piano two, somebody holds down the sustain pedal, and the second piano will hum, because you hit the middle C key of the first piano, that's resonance. And so what you want are people whose values are resonant with yours. They don't have to be the same as yours, but they can't be completely incongruent with yours. And this is where your doorman comes in, where you have conversations with, like, is this, is this person really the kind of person I want around me? Now, I'll I, I tell you, this sounds so obvious, okay, Rick? But I literally had somebody on a Facebook Live yesterday say, after I talked about this, well, I have somebody that, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about doing business with uh, again, but they were really difficult to work with. And, you know, I just didn't enjoy working with them, but, uh, you know, I could make some money on it. And I was like, dude, did you not listen to anything I said? You, You, you got to say no to that kind of stuff because that you yourself said this person was horrible to work with. Why would you continue to bring that into your life? And we do that all the time because – we get desperate or we're looking for money and we say yes to things that, you know, later we go, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I've done it. I think all of us have done it. And so this is where you have the conversations with your doorman and you say, is this really somebody I want in my room? Seriously? And if the answer is no, you got to, you've got to have them stand by that door.
1: And so I think you what I'm envisioning in my head, want me is, to give you uh... an example
2: or two?
1: No, please. Yeah, go ahead.
2: So here's two examples. Both with my co-authors. The bottom line here is you've got to draw draw a line in the sand about um the things that are acceptable in your life. And uh with Rick, one of my co-authors, his mother was uh, very toxic. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but he, he shares the story that she's very toxic, very difficult. And she had a you know, a lot of a lot of things happened in her life. And he would call her every weekend on, on Sunday, he'd call her, and um Boy, she would just launch into these complaints about his brothers and sisters and all the things that were going wrong in her life. And he just had enough. And so he said to her, uh, Mom, I love you, but um, I want to have positive conversations with you. And uh, every time I hang up and I feel worse you know, after we've talked. And so here's the deal. Uh, when you start getting really toxic and talking about uh, other people that I love, I'm going to say, Mom, I love you. It was good talking to you. I'll talk to you at the same time next week. Bye, and I'm going to hang up. He said he had to do that for three weeks in a row. He did it three weeks in a row, and he never had to do it again. He said, the last year of my mother's life was the best year of my relationship with her because You know, it wasn't like she couldn't talk about challenges, but she just couldn't get toxic. And when she did, we shut it down. So here's the deal. Somebody may be in your life, but their baggage has, somebody may be in your room, but their baggage has to stay out. You you don't have to deal with the baggage. And that means you draw a line in the sand and say, this is unacceptable behavior. And this is the kind of thing where your doorman has to have the conversation. Makes sense.
1: It absolutely does.
2: Here, let me give you one other story, and it's, it's kind of similar. It's Stewart and his mother-in-law, and his mother-in-law was always uh, uh, shooting upon him, S-H-O-U-L-D. You should oh, do yeah. this, you should do that. You know? And so he finally said, um, uh, Margaret, um, look, she knew the doorman principle. He said, Margaret, my doorman said no more of this. I, you know, I'm always happy to talk to you, but you can't be telling me what I should or shouldn't be doing anymore. And, and you got her understand, Stuart's like 70. <laughs> the mother-in-law's like 90. And, um, and so you can't do that anymore. And so the very next conversation, she starts saying what he should be doing. And then she's listening It was click. And she called him back. She said, Stuart, did you just hang up on me? Margaret, I would never hang up on you. But my doorman did (laughs) like, all right, I get it. I get it. So he's a little more blunt in the way he did it. I'm not sure I would go that way. But but uh, this is where you just draw a line in the sand. and You say this is not acceptable behavior to people that are already in
1: your room and you want to make sure their baggage stays out. Yeah, the concept that's going through my brain is that, uh, and if you knew how my brain uh, looked inside, so I think my room's a nightclub and I have a bouncer. I think that that fits <laughs> uh, what's going on upstairs here. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting concept. So let, let's take that one step further. Um, and uh, the people who know me well knows that, that that I had a toxic relationship with my mom before she passed as well. And I tried the shutdown, uh, of that piece and then had to go to shut out. Um, yeah. you know, what, what's your advice in that scenario? So, you know, he did it three times, didn't have to do it again. What if, what if the third time it's not sticking? Um, how do you deal with those types of situations?
2: Oh, you keep doing it until it sticks or they stop, you know, they realize that they're, you know, talking to you is not going to work anymore. Um, uh, uh, I for somebody as close as a parent, I mean, I would continue to do it until they get tired of of having the conversation. Uh, and honestly, I don't think you need to do it very long. Um, now, let's say you're talking about somebody that's not a parent. It's you know, there's there's just something about having to have that connection or wanting that connection with a parent. But someone else um, here and, and th- don't, don't get me wrong, this can work with a close family member as well. I'll give you two techniques. Uh, One is benign neglect and the other is homeopathic doses. And we talk about both of these. Uh, Benign neglect is benign neglect works when you don't want it to Uh, think about somebody in your life that you were friends with. You really liked. There's nothing that went wrong, but over time you just gradually lost touch with them and and at some point in your life, you go, gee, I wonder what ever happened to them. I really, you know, I, I, I liked them. They were fun. Uh, and you realize that it was just neglect and, and, and hanging on to the relationship. So benign neglect works when, when you don't have a plan. Imagine benign neglect when you have a plan. And uh, it's a very effective technique where you just don't call people as often or you don't call them as quickly back. You know, you, you, you gradually pull away over time. Now, some people have said to me, why don't you just tell them you don't want to be around them anymore? You could do that. I think Stuart would do that. <laughs> He's <laughs> a little more likely to do that. Uh, I, I don't like burning bridges. You know, I run a network. I don't like burning bridges. So I would rather not burn a bridge. But I'll tell you what happens with benign neglect many times. It'll go away quietly, the relationship or at some point, that person will say, hey, what's going on? You know, we don't talk as much. And now the door is open to have some communication. But if you just tell them, hey, you know, I don't want to talk that much to you anymore. I don't want to connect with you because they just get defensive. But if they see what's happening and say, what's going on? Then at least the door is open where you can say, well, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you asked the question. Uh, are you sure you want to hear the answer? Yeah, I want to hear the answer. I've had this conversation. Yeah, I want to hear the answer. So here's the deal. Uh, and then I, I tell them what the problem is and why um, they, they're bringing baggage into the room that I'm not good with. And I would say most of the time, you know, they're they're not happy to hear that, but they understand it and they let the benign neglect run its course. In other words... They let it go because they're not going to change their behavior. Uh, and that's fine with me. The second technique is
1: you can use. Before we, uh, along before with, we get into the, yeah, uh, the the second technique there, we, we're right up against a break, and I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to explain it. So we're going to take another quick break here let the uh, sponsors pay some bills, and we'll be right back with the work-life balance talking to Dr. Ivan Meisner about his book, Who's in Your Room. We'll be right back.
0: Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program
1: of the work-life balance talking with dr ivan meisner on his book who's in your room and, and right before break we were talking about a couple of techniques to deal with that one of those being benign neglect you said you had another uh, technique as well which is homeopathic doses why don't you talk about that
2: homeopathic doses can work uh, alongside of uh benign neglect uh or if you you know don't want to uh, uh, you know completely end the relationship um it is particularly helpful to use homeopathic doses. So homeopathic doses are the, 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 the smallest dose of medicine necessary to treat something. And so uh, here's an example of how one might uh, use a homeopathic dose. Let's say you're, going, uh, you're traveling and you're going to go into a city where you have somebody that you probably shouldn't have let into your room, but they're there, and they're going to see it on Facebook. You were in their town. And then they're going to call you and, or email you and say, oh, come, you didn't reach out to me or whatever. So um, what, what you do, this is an example of homeopathic dose. Instead of calling them or emailing them a month in advance and saying, I'm going to be in town, you reach out to them the night before and you say, I'm going to be in town tomorrow. I happen to be free between 1 and 1.30. If you want to get together for a cup of coffee, that'd be great. And I'd email that so they may not even see it until it's too late, but... If they see it, they may say, yeah, okay, now you've, you've minimized the amount of time that you have to spend with that individual to a short period of time. That's the homeopathic dose. Now this works best if you don't want to, you know, completely burn up a a relationship, but
1: you just don't want to, it's just a bad idea to let them into your room to begin with. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so You know, as the title of the show implies, we're always trying to seek that balance. And what's the best way to balance or how do you balance the room?
2: Okay. So I have, Rick, I have the secret to balance. Would you like to know what it is?
1: Absolutely.
2: Forget about balance. You'll never have it.
1: No, I yeah, I'll, I'll let that one sit for
2: <laughs> a sec. Go ahead. Yeah. So I say that to a large audience, and I almost always hear somebody go,
1: oh, really? Yeah. You know, because they're hoping for
2: something really good. I got something good for you. I really do. But let me explain why I said what I said. We treat work-life balance like it's a, it's like a, a statue with the scales of justice, and there's these scales, and our – Work life has to be fully in balance with our personal life, which has has to be in balance uh, balance with our uh, health, which has to be in balance with our spirituality. And life just ain't like that. It's just not like that. And if you're a business person, you know, it's way more like a juggling act than a balancing act. And so I don't believe balance is possible. However, I do believe you can have a life of harmony. Okay. And this is more than semantics. It's more than semantics. I'm going to give you some examples of what I mean by this. But, but even the, the graphic for harmony, I want you to visualize it's the yin and the yang, right? Even that graphic, if you separate it, it's out of balance. So I think, I think balance, I think people beat themselves up constantly because their life's not in balance but i think there are things that you could do to have a life that's in harmony i traveled incredibly while my kids were young and uh, balance was very very difficult but i really strongly feel like i lived a life of harmony and here are a handful of techniques tangible techniques to have a life of harmony and you can let go of the concept
1: of balance you want them you want a few absolutely
2: Here's the first. It's, it's the shortest. It sounds the simplest, but it's the most powerful. Three words. Be here now. Wherever you are, be fully present. If you're at work, don't be thinking about the time that you didn't spend with the family last night. If you're at home with the family, don't be thinking about the work that's got to be done at the, at, at the office. Wherever you are, be fully and completely present. I remember when my son was 17, he's 26 now. When he was 17, we were sitting down in um, a family room, big screen TV. We're playing Halo. He's kicking my butt in Halo. And we were leveling up. And I said to him, buddy, was I around enough for you? He said, what? What do you mean by that? I said, was I around a lot? He said, you're around all the time. I said, yeah, you know I travel a lot, right? I'm, I'm, I'm out of town every other week for at least a few days, sometimes all week. He said, yeah, yeah, that's true, but I don't know. It's like when you're here, you're totally here. Can, can we get back to the game now? I'm like, yes, we can. Let's get back to the game. And to me, that's the example of be here now. If you're fully present, your life can be a little bit out of balance. Uh, but if you're fully present, it doesn't feel like it's out of balance. But wait, there's more. Uh, you have to practice. Here's the second one. You have to practice uh, both letting go and holding on. Contrary to popular belief, I I don't think it's possible to have it all. I've never seen anybody that had it all. So life, I believe, involves making choices. And so by knowing your values, by the way, much easier to know what things should I let go, what are not uh, in resonance with my values. Uh, and then what do I need to hold on to? What is resonant with my values? And those things, you have to learn how to let go. You have to learn how to say no. And you have to learn to, to really respect those values that you have and hold on to those things
1: for dear life. Uh, so, here's, uh, here's another one. Yeah, okay. go ahead. Yeah, because you, you just struck it with with how to say no and and to to learn how to let go and and, and hold on. Um, what if the you know you take a husband and wife type scenario where they were certainly in balance in the beginning and have fallen out of the balance uh, towards towards the end? Where where does that let go, hold on kind of scenario go there?
2: Well, it, listen, if, if a family and relationship is uh, a high priority and, and I'm not a marriage and family counselor. I'm not a psychologist, so I, I don't purport to be an expert on relationships. I have been married for 30 years though, to the same. That's order. a pretty
1: good uh, chronology so, yeah. then. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Um, I, I find, um, this doesn't completely answer your question, but I'll try to completely answer your question. <laughs> for us, one of the things that we try to do with each other is to give each other grace. Um, we both have done stupid things in our marriage where nothing nothing, you know, marriage ending stupid, but just dumb things. Husbands tend to do it more than wives, by the way. <laughs> no I, I agree right
1: there. there, yeah. Sure.
2: So we you know, we, we we do these things, we try to we try to give each other grace, meaning uh, I I know that if she does something that really ticked me off, that she didn't do it to anger me or because she doesn't love me. It was just a bad choice. And I feel the same way. She feels the same way. Again, we're not talking about marriage ending kinds of things, but, you know, leaving the toilet seat up or you know, those kinds of things I'm talking about, which can drive a marriage crazy, simple things like that. Um, so in terms of holding on, if one of your values is the is relationship, then you've got to find ways to hold on to that relationship. Um, and, and that might mean marriage counseling. It might mean reading books together. Uh, you know, Elizabeth and I read men are from Mars and women are from Venus together. We read a book called love and respect together, which is where we got the concept of love and respect. And so these are, these are values that we have together and you've got to be living those values. If you really believe in them, does that answer your question? Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, so, you had one final, uh, technique.
2: Yeah, I got I got several. Uh, one of them I think you wanted me to talk about, so let me give you two. Well, one is you got to create margins in your life. You got to create margins. Life for people in this day and age is crazy busy. Pe- people will take up every spare moment in your life if you let them. So you, just like, like a, a book has margins around it, you have to have margins in your life. Uh, my wife and I, al- almost every day that it's nice out, we have a, we have a, a tower uh, in our house that's uh, like four stories high. And we go up to the top of the tower and with a glass, we call it wine o'clock. And we go up to the tower with a good cabernet and we sit there and we look at the lake and watch the animals go by and we just spend time together. And um, that's a margin. For me, since I was young, I take a day off every week. I call it my mental health day. And I don't go anywhere. And it took a while for my wife to get that. <laughs> she, she's like, oh, let's go do this. Let's go do that. We got the day off. I'm like, no, this is my day off. You know, I'll barbecue, I'll hang out in the pool, let's watch the movies. Uh, I, no. So now she's fully on board with that. But uh, it was just, it was, it was one of my margins. So you got to create margins. Here's, here's one more. And I got about five more in the book. But here's one more that I know you like. You have to live in your flame not in your wax. When you're living in your flame, you're on fire. You're excited. You love what you're doing, both business and personal. And when you're in your wax, it takes all your energy away. And, you know, when you're in your flame, people hear it in your voice. They see it in the way you act. When you're in your wax, they hear it in your voice and they see it in the way you act. And so you have to live a life in your flame. Find the things that you're excited about and do those. Uh, and it could be both personal and, or professional for me. You know, I, I have gotten to the point now where I'm living my flame professionally, um, doing things like this, doing radio interviews and, and privately I do the things that are in my flame as much as possible. That's the way you create a life of harmony.
1: And so uh, you know we we had this this it wasn't a debate it was a, a great conversation which led to to you know you eventually coming onto the show as well um, where we say achieving your work-life balance is to where your work doesn't feel if it's more congruent with your life it is your life right it's not it's not a separate being but but it's more your passion is there and you're following your passion therefore it doesn't feel like work and it's just an extension of who you are.
2: Yeah, and I get that, and I agree with that. But what if it took you 60 hours a week doing that, but also something important to you is your family? Now you have a balance issue. For sure. So I think if you can look at it from a a perspective of harmony, where you just make sure to spend time with the family. You'd be fully present when you're with the family. Um, Here's the way I did it. This is one of the other techniques where you can – integrate aspects of your life together uh, for many years we lived in southern california and we had this uh, lake house uh, on the lake in big bear and uh, i would leave the whole month of august and i would work up in big bear and and i take my kids and my wife and you know two three, in the, three o'clock in the afternoon go out on the boat so i spend a fair amount of time with the kids uh, I'd bring man, I'd have management meetings up there. I'd bring people on up. They'd stay at the place. We'd do management meetings. But again, we were you know I'd spend time with the kids in the first thing in the morning. I'd spend time with the kids earlier in the day, and then I always took one week out of the month, and it was just family. Maybe the the kids' friends, but just family. I didn't have any guests of mine there. They had my complete and undivided attention. So. That's a way of creating harmony even though you might your work might be out of balance with your personal life
1: set. Makes sense? Absolutely. I think it makes perfect sense. We're going to take our final break here. Uh, we're going to be right back with the final segment of the work-life balance, you're listening to Rick Morris.
0: Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guests today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance.
1: And we're back for our final segment of the Work-Life Balance this Friday afternoon. Can't believe we're already at our final segment. I feel like I just started talking to you, Dr. Meisner. So um, what, where can I find the book? Where can our, our listeners find you find more about the book? Where can they go buy it?
2: So the book's available at most uh, major bookstores. You can get it on Amazon. Of course, uh, it hit number one in self-help on Amazon a few months ago. Um, if you don't want to search Correct. for it on Amazon, go to my website, my blog. I've got, I've been blogging since 2007, two blogs a week since 2007, tons of free content up there. It's IvanMeisner.com, Ivan M as in Mary, M-I-S-N-E-R, IvanMeisner.com. On the right-hand side, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see the book. Click on it. Take you right to the book on Amazon. And, of course, BNI.com, the organization that I started, uh, if anyone's interested in visiting a chapter. Those are the best ways to reach me.
1: And, and BNI, you know, you can uh, go listen to the Transformational Leader podcast. We talk about the, the beginnings of BNI and how that just uh, grew out of out of almost necessity in the beginning, right? And and then has blossomed into an incredible organization. Uh, So what advice do you have? We always ask our guests, what's some of the best advice you've ever received?
2: So early on, I had someone say to me, don't chase bright, shiny objects, Um, figure out what it is you should be doing, get mentors, uh, have them give you advice, and then stay in your lane, stay in that lane. And I have kind of, I describe it to businesses, and I think this is the biggest mistake that small businesses make. Number one mistake. They do a thousand things six times. You want to be successful in business? Do six things a thousand times. Not a thousand things. Six times. And that's about staying in your lane. You know what business you're in. You, you, you've got somebody who's supporting you and helping you, mentoring you. Podcasts. Interviews like this. This is this is part of you know lifelong learning. Figure out what you should be doing, and then do it a thousand times. Don't be chasing bright shiny objects. You want to scale a business six things a thousand times.
1: Yeah, I love uh, John. A lot of people ask John Maxwell, you know, how do you become such a great communicator? And he says, "Well, I've, I've done this a hundred thousand times." Now he goes, "I hope I'm yeah. decent at this point. If not, I chose the wrong profession." It's but it's 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 the same thing, right? It's it's staying in your lane, doing, doing what you love. Um, yeah, any and, and final thoughts? At to, it.
2: You can throw a question at him and boom, he's got it.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I love it. How about uh, any final advice or, or final things that you'd like to tell the audience?
2: So, I, you know, I think the secret to creating your best life is uh, understanding the room concept and uh, the fact that you have control of your life. You are the curator of your room. Nobody else is. If if your life's a mess, you've got a little bit of responsibility there, and you can change it. I have seen people change their life by understanding this concept of the room. So I tell people, take control of your room and create
1: the life you desire. I love that so much. Uh, What are some of the other books that uh, they can find out there from you? Uh, Some of the other books I've done? Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh I got
2: a book uh called Networking Like a Pro. If you if you want to uh, really have a sense uh, of how to build your business through networking and through referral marketing, uh pick up the book. It gets a second edition. <clears throat> there's two editions to the book now. I'll get the second edition of Networking Like a Pro. That's a really good primer on how to build a, a powerful personal network. Uh I've also started doing a webinar series. Uh and um if if somebody's interested in and really, kind of going deep on uh, what my webinar series—it's called Ivan's Inner Circle—and that's the website, Ivan's Inner Circle. And I think I've got something like 30 hours of content up there right now on uh, webinars. And then I do live face-to-face—I'm uh, um, sorry, live Facebook uh, sessions just with the inner circle people, where I answer questions that they've got. Um, you know some of the other books that I've done, um, and one of my favorites is Masters of Success. It's a it's, it's unlike any of the books I did, and it's I've got eighty contributing authors to the book, and they all shared what they thought it would be, uh, what it took to be successful. So those are a handful of the books. I've got twenty four now,
1: believe it or not. Wow, the, and absolute labor of love. And blog. I, I I have to say the blogging twice a week. Uh, as long as you have, I've, I, I've not been the uh, power of consistency in my blog, and so that uh, that gives me something to strive for for sure.
2: Six six things a thousand times, my friend.
1: Yes, sir. And so, so with that decision, my blog is officially closed.
2: <laughs> we're, we're moving
1: on. <laughs> uh, you can start it up anytime. I mean, you can you can pick it up anytime. Absolutely. So, thank you so much for spending the hour with me, sir. It's been a, a delight. Uh, We'll continue to follow you and everything that you do. Uh, Again, uh, if you haven't heard the Transformational Leader podcast episode with Dr. Meisner, it's fantastic. Uh, It's about 30 minutes long, and uh, it is packed full of incredible details. So Dr. Meisner, thank you so much for uh, blessing us with your presence, and uh, we look forward to having you again on in the future.
2: Anytime, Rick. I can't believe an hour went by. That was pretty quick.
1: Uh, I It's my favorite hour of, of my week right here is, is uh, doing this show. That's why it's four to five on a Friday.
2: Yeah. Perfect.
1: So everyone else, we will uh, talk to you again next Friday. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Rick A. Morris. Find me at uh, Rick at Rick A. dot com or at R Morris at R square consulting dot com. Always hit me up on Facebook, LinkedIn as well. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you have somebody you think would make a fantastic guest for our show, please let us know. We'll be happy to reach out to them. Until then, we're going to see you right here next Friday, same time, same place, same channel. And uh, we hope that you are achieving or striving to achieve. And I'm going to change it now just in Dr. Meisner's presence. Instead of saying work-life balance, your work-life harmony. We'll talk to you guys next Friday.